Welcome to the EchoCast. I am Bon. Let's talk about games. This week, we'll be talking about Ubisoft's rough investor call, exciting Mass Effect news, maybe, No Man's Sky content continues, be nicer to most devs, and much more. A few things before we get into the show. Subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, and if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please rate the podcast. Just do it right now. Just do it right now. Okay. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like this video, and leave a comment down below. Ask a question for the next episode, let me know what you think about something I talk about, or just post hi for the algorithm. It helps me get noticed, and I would really appreciate that. Last, please join the show's Discord by clicking on the link in the description of the podcast or the video. We can talk about the episodes, you can ask questions for next week, we can talk about sports, we can talk about game news, we can speculate, whatever. Come over, say hi, we like new friends. Jumping into the gaming news. Uh, The first story I'm going to talk about is Ubisoft's investor call. Uh, So there was an investor call uh, in the last day or two, and uh, some, some stuff came out, so... We know that uh, Avatar is being delayed. The game that was theoretically supposed to be coming out with the movie uh, this winter, that will not be happening. It got pushed to the next fiscal year, which means that next April is the earliest. It can come out April of 2023, and it could come out as late as uh, March of 2024. My guess is it'll be as soon as possible, maybe next summer. Uh, They're probably missing out on taking advantage of the hype of the new movie um, by not releasing at the same time. I would be really curious to be a fly on the wall of James Cameron's office uh, because I suspect even if he, I don't know how much he cares about this game, um, but I suspect uh, it being a part of the marketing push was probably a pretty big deal. So um, there was a little bit of news um, from Jeff Grubb. He seems to have some Ubisoft uh, inside sources. And on the subject of the Avatar game, the general consensus seems to be that it looks really, really good, that it's a very beautiful game, um, but that some of the gameplay loops and stuff like that um, are a little rough and that they need more time to work on them. Uh, If you're aware of uh, Massive's other projects, it it includes The Division, and uh, you could argue that The Division has had similar issues. So uh, I'm excited for that game. I know some people kind of poo-poo on the Avatar thing. I think Avatar is really cool, and I'm excited to see a game, especially one made by Massive using the Snowdrop engine. Um, I'm really excited to see. I've also heard rumors that the Snowdrop engine has stuff like ray tracing and DLSS and stuff like that now, um, which will be a pretty big deal, um, especially for this new title. So uh, another part of the call revealed that four games have been canceled. Uh, The only two that were named or that we know what they are was a Splinter Cell VR game and Ghost Recon Frontline. Uh, the Splinter Cell VR game, I assume, was probably being developed by Red Storm. 
also of division fame. Um, and I'm kind of curious to how that looks. Uh, if they're going to move on to a new VR game, we know that Red Storm is working on uh, the, the Division Heartland, the free-to-play game that seems like it's kind of floundered. Uh, we don't really know what's going on with that. And then um, the Ghost Recon Frontline, I believe, was being developed by Ubisoft Bucharest, uh, who, who, who mostly is a support studio. This I don't know if this is the first game that they would have been headlining, but they're not working on it anymore. Um, I think that there may be something notable um, that both of these studios have helped with the division uh, in, the, in their past. Um, I'm curious to if either or both of them are going to be helping with the Heartland project or if either of them are going to be brought on to help with um, the Division 2 and its extended content that we now know is getting a year five. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if either or both of those are happening. Um, on Jeff Grubb's uh, you know, weekly podcast with Mike Minotti, he also did talk about, uh, he read directly from a source's messages um, that talked about how um, games that are coming in the future, like 2024, 2025, um, is another like Phoenix Rising game. It's going to be more of a spinoff and less a sequel. Um, and that's awesome because that Phoenix Rising game was great. And I would love to see a second iteration where they can maybe, you know, help it find its own identity a bit. Um, if you don't know, Phoenix Rising was a game that was based off of Assassin's Creed Odyssey assets, which explains a lot. Um, but it was a very Breath of the Wild type game, and it I loved it. I thought it was great. So uh, more of that uh, I am into. Um, Greb also seems to think that there's a decent chance of um, it's almost certain that the September Ubisoft forward is going to be very Assassin's Creed focused and that there's a chance we may see something from from Splinter Cell uh, and Beyond Good and Evil 2. Uh, so so there's that um, kind of mixed news there, I think. Um, I don't think Splinter Cell VR or Ghost Recon Frontline being canceled is a bad thing. If anything, I hope it opens up development resources for games that they should be making and not games that they shouldn't be making. Um, the other two games I suspect were probably other like double A, like free to play titles. Um, I'm wondering if due to the performance um, of, of some of their, you know, the games of that style, uh, like Frontline was going to be a free to play game. Um, if maybe Ubisoft is, um, uh, changing the direction of their ship a bit uh so we'll have to wait and see how that plays out in the long run what that basically means though is that the this this current fiscal year we're in that goes until march of next year for ubisoft not looking super exciting um nothing big big that we know about um probably an assassin's creed game later this year and that might be it i'm not expecting another far cry and even if we get that i don't know who's super excited about that after six which i've you know seems like it was an okay game doesn't seem like it was a game anyone needed to play um so we'll have to wait and see so uh and another subject that i'm excited to chat about always is the mass effect hiring updates i have a whole video on this on this uh, on my youtube channel uh, so if you go check that out i go into a little bit more detail but long story short right now and they even just posted on their twitter today all, all the positions they're hiring for and this is still current um they only have two director positions that they're still hiring for for the next mass effect now let's be very clear 
they are obviously extremely focused on Dragon Age right now. You see a whole bunch of listings uh, for Dreadwolf. Uh, so they're obviously making a big push as that game enters its final year of production. Um, so it makes sense that that's where most of the listings are. But what I noted in my video was that there were six or more director positions filled uh, or um, available at the beginning of the year. And there's only two left. Uh, so I believe there's been five or six at least filled, which is exciting. Um, that's uh, That means things are happening. Um, and it seems that the rumors that they won't start production until Dreadwolf is out um, seem to line up. Uh, you would think you would want all of these directors kind of in their positions um, before you would start production because these directors are the people who kind of run the show and they kind of communicate with each other and and then they kind of decipher that information down to their teams um and then obviously we know that in the last couple of weeks we found out that mary demarley um, left her job at um, square enix montreal i believe and is now with bioware and we knew that and then they officially announced mike gamble put out there that oh she's not just with bioware but she's on this next mass effect game um, I've talked about this a couple times, so I won't go too much into it. That single bit of news um, should be ex extremely exciting for Mass Effect fans. She would not have left a cushy job where she just had a lot of success, even just in the last year. She would not have left that um, to go to an uncertain situation um, because she didn't have to. She did that on her own. Um, there's no way she got fired. And so this was a move she made. And that tells me that there must be some good stuff going on at Bioware with this next Mass Effect game. And that's very exciting. Uh, the next story here is that we have a new No Man's Sky update called Endurance, the Endurance update. Uh, per usual, there's a ton of stuff that they, they're adding to that game. Um, the biggest thing seems to be that uh, you can have these like capital ships that you, these like big, not even freighters, they're like capital ships um, that you could build a little bit on before. And now you can build a lot more and customize them. Um, and it seems like you can even have like an armada of spaceships that you travel around with. No Man's Sky is interesting. It's a game that every time they have one of these big updates, like every like three or four updates, I'll go back and play it. And my biggest issue with the game is that there's not really like their story, but it doesn't seem like, you know, there's a lot of like closure you're ever going to get from it. And it just seems like a constant chase of information um, as well as you. If you try to play the game the right way, like the, the normal way, um, I mean, you're looking at so many hours of grinding and kind of doing kind of monotonous gameplay to get to where you can do all this new cool stuff. So I, people have suggested to do the creative mode cause you can kind of just do everything. Um, and I'm considering it cause I want to see all this stuff, but then using the creative mode feels like cheating and like, you want to have the real experience. I just wish that there was like a jump ahead feature where it would kind of put you um, at like a base level to, to jump right into doing all this new content. I don't know what that looks like. I, I don't really have a lot of, you know, experience with the game beyond the, you know, probably 20 or 30 hours I've played it. Um, but it's a great game. And for people who are like no life in that game, who have put thousands of hours or even hundreds of hours into it, um, they're getting a treat. And because all of these updates have been free. 
and they should be charging by now. Like they should be charging for these updates or ending development on the game and starting a new, starting a new project. But that's not what they want to do. And I can respect it, even if um, I don't know how sustainable it is exactly. But we'll uh, we'll see. Uh, the next bit here is uh, As Dusk Falls released, uh, and it had a pretty solid reception. Um, I've seen some gameplay of this. I've mostly watched uh, Kind of Funny's playthrough. I do have it downloaded. It's on Game Pass for Xbox. Um, it also released on PC. Uh, I'm sure it will come out on PlayStation eventually. Um, the Metacritic score was a 79. Open Critic was 76. That seems low for the reception I'm getting from who I typically listen to. So that's obviously kind of a, a closed box or a, or a small uh, group of people, but I thought it, it seems like it's being received really well, maybe even better than what the scores say. My guess is that these scores are probably at least two or three points low because I think the style of this game is very divisive. Um, it's kind of a mix of 3d graphics and this like almost like, comic book stop motion kind of art um so you know i think that's probably holding it back i think if it was just a more typical like a like a telltale like walking dead style where it's like all 3d you know it's animated and stuff i think that it probably would have fared better score wise um but it seems like it's a good experience and if you have game pass it's one of those games where it's like Maybe you wouldn't buy it or play it otherwise, but if you have Game Pass, uh, you, you'll at least check it out and maybe you'll love it. And I think that um, is where Game Pass really shines. And so, so there you go. Uh, let's see here. We have Xbox is getting Discord voice integration. Um, so right now it's being tested in the Xbox Insider program. Um, this is kind of interesting. So. Uh, just last year, I believe, Discord and PlayStation made this big announcement that, hey, we're working together. And there was a lot of weird like console war stuff where people were, uh, you know, oh, we're getting it first, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it was always kind of lost on people that like a couple years before that, Xbox and Discord um, had kind of like started working together. Um, I think last year what happened is that Xbox actually tried to acquire Discord and Discord denied the acquisition and then teamed up with Sony. And so I think there was this like weird series of events that made people think that like, oh, Discord's gonna be PlayStation exclusive, which wouldn't make any sense, right? It's kind of against the whole point. So I think there's some like weird feelings about the fact that um, Xbox is getting this integration first, but they've probably been working on it for years longer. So it shouldn't be that surprising. Um, and I don't think Discord cares about console wars. I, um, I think this is a big deal because as we get more and more um, crossplay between platforms, uh, VoIP, voice over IP, which is used in most games, um, especially on cross-platform games, um, because like if someone's on PlayStation, you can't invite them to your Xbox live chat. Right. Um, I, I, I think that the VoIP has a lot of downsides, both in quality and security. And so having discord on all the platforms uh, is probably going to be a pretty big deal when it comes to communicating with people. And I bet that games even start to integrate that into like, there would be an option like, or, or a, a mechanic or a UI that allows you to connect to a discord room with everyone who's in like your, your squad, 
um, to make things easy uh, using that integration. So I, I think it's really, really good. I think it only helps. I think now all the people who told people like in the division two to use discord to find raid groups and stuff. Now there's, this makes it just a hair easier. Um, this won't, this integration does not include like the, the chat and the, and, and stuff like that. This is purely for, um, voice rooms. Uh, I, I don't believe you're going to be able to join servers and stuff like that. That wouldn't really make sense. The, it wouldn't be very useful. I don't think, but, uh, I think this is a big deal. I think it's really cool. And, um, I, I think that the more we can connect and the more we can get on the same page, uh, the, 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 the better things will be for everyone. Uh, the next story kind of came from just like a general kind of thing I saw um, this last week where um, basically it looked like a uh, Destiny 2 or, or multiple Destiny 2 devs were facing some pretty awful harassment and death threats and stuff like that over some really stupid shit. We see this happen over and over. For me, it's always kind of a weird subject because um, often it comes out around the same time that like like when Cyberpunk came out and it was pretty disappointing um both from a it just straight up didn't work on some of the platforms um but also just from like it wasn't really the like revolutionary game people thought it was going to be for the genre it's in and it was really interesting because there was like a couple days of people kind of bashing on it and then every time this happens there's always this like you know a dev comes out or something or or like a like a a director comes out and talks about you know the harassment they've received or their team has received and and they should they should talk about that right they should say yeah like we're receiving death threats like this is so stupid like stop but my issue is what happens a lot with that is that it kind of mutes um any discussion about you know things that and that may not be very good in the game like things that may be a problem things that people are upset about and that maybe, you know, a handful of people are taking it way too far. Um, but there has to, I think to be like two discussions, there has to be one discussion of, you know, how do, how do you properly express your disappointments or your feelings or your frustrations? Um, you know, I always say that you should focus on the game and not the people because the, no one person made any of the decisions that you're upset about. So focus on the game and don't attack the, the individuals who are you know, trying to make this product. But at the same time, just because a couple people are go way too far and are really, really awful, doesn't mean that we shouldn't criticize games and that the 97% of people who don't go too far shouldn't have to be silent um, for fear of being one of those you know really awful people. Um, this conversation was really interesting because obviously people from all over the development uh, you know, spectrum, uh, chimed in. There was one kind of interesting thing. I saw someone who got a lot of attention, uh, who, uh, worked for a studio and, uh, that I'm uh, fairly familiar with. Um, and the individual who was being quoted in a bunch of articles, um, ha has me blocked specifically. I feel like more than, in, more than a lot of people I've been accused of being like a shill, uh, for this company and for this, you know, this person's work. Um, and, and, uh, I definitely, I can't think of any time I've ever like attacked a dev directly, which is what this discussion was about from this person. Um, this person in particular, uh, from what I remember, it's been a while, um, just didn't like that. I didn't like the thing that they made and they kind of seem like they just block anyone who dares to not worship them. And so when I saw a bunch of these articles quoting uh, this person, 
uh, it was really kind of rubbed me the wrong way that um, this individual I find to be, I found in my time interacting with them to be like hyper toxic and really awful. And to see them kind of become like the face of this conversation or, or at least part of it and like criticizing fans toxicity. When I would argue this person was no better than any of the fans they were talking about that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but I'll, uh, you know, I'll let you read the tea leaves there and, and see what you think of that. I just, uh, I thought that was interesting. So I think this conversation is more nuanced than it often is allowed to be. Um, I think it's obvious that people shouldn't harass devs individually. They shouldn't threaten people. This is so stupid and so vile and so immature and so silly. Um, but I also think like this, this particular person, there's a really good chance that some of the instances of supposed harassment that they were talking about were probably from them being a jerk to people. And then those people responding. Um, I can't guarantee that, but like, there is a point where it's like, you know, people should attack the game, not the people. I think that's fine. Um, but at the same time, if you're out, you know, like shit posting and being toxic to people and being nasty, you know, that might come back at you. And so I don't know. I feel bad for the vast majority, like 99% of devs because they're just trying to make some money. They're trying to, you know, do something they love, uh, make a product that they're proud of and that they enjoy and that they have their hearts in. Um, and, and those people shouldn't receive that kind of harassment. And because it's always so like, it's never justified, but often the harassment is always so silly. Um, like the particular person I'm talking about, if they, re if they receive this harassment, they're like, they, they do like art. Like they don't work on the mechanics of, of a game of, of the games, you know, they, they aren't making the mon monetization decisions and stuff. So most of the things that people would scream at a dev about most of the devs that are like public facing are the people who like made the vase in the museum or the people who like made the animation to take the gun off of your character's back. Like they aren't the person who decided to, to do this game feature or to make this content or not. So I don't know. It's an interesting conversation. I, I think sometimes the conversation gets kind of um, overly managed. Um, and, and I think that's a bummer because I think there is nuance to be had. Uh, but at the end of the day, just don't be a shithead. Just don't be an asshole, especially not to individuals. For example, the division. If you have a problem with the division, you know, if you want to at the division game Twitter account or re reply like a lot of people do to a post they make and you want to let them have it, that community manager can handle it. They're just going to ignore you probably or make like a funny quip back to you. But don't tweet Yannick. God, I can't. The number of tweets I've been tagged in where it's like a response to something I've said or it's just a random tweet that I got tagged in where it has like. Yannick and Julian Garrity and blah, 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 who doesn't even work on the game anymore. I'm talking about the division. You, you, I, I've been a part of so many of those where they think that like by tagging me in it, like it's supposed to add some like legitimacy. Oh, that just embarrasses the hell out of me. And it makes me want to block you. And I, depending on how nasty the situation is, I just block people when they do that. Now you can remove yourself from tags, which I think is super nice. But, um, 
yeah, go after the game, go after the product and not the individuals, because I can almost like 99.9% guarantee you the, the individual you're attacking is probably nowhere near uh, the, the, the decision-making center uh, that you're upset about. But that's just my take. Uh, I, I made kind of just like a general tweet about the game delays. Obviously, this is somewhat in reference to Avatar. I think people really need to kind of reset their expectations. I think gaming has probably been changed indefinitely. I think in the next year, year and a half, we're still going to be seeing significant impacts uh, from the pandemic and things being delayed and slowed down. I think that um, we also need to recognize that we have probably seen a permanent change in the way that games are made and the way that games are going to come out. I, I think we're seeing that a ton of studios have moved to a full-time or at least a hybrid at, at work from home schedule. Obviously that's going to get more efficient as they learn how to work with it and stuff like that. But you know, things are going to be kind of weird for a while. And I think that at the end of the day, game development has probably changed forever as well as a lot of other jobs. My own job, which has nothing to do with game development is, is changed forever. You know, we, my job will never be the same. Um, in like 99% good ways. And that's why I hope for all these devs. I hope for these, you know, the developers and producers and directors and all these people. Um, I hope that these changes have only improved their lives because the more patience games are given, the happier the people are who are making them, you know, the better the games are going to be, you know, happy people do for the most part, good work. Uh, you know, overly worked and stressed out people can, but probably won't, or, or, or probably at least not going to give you their best. And, you know, from our games, we want their best. And, and I think that, um, you know, you know, maybe games are going to take a year or two longer than they used to, to come out. Maybe games that we were hoping were going to come out this year or next year won't come out for a couple of years. I, I think that there just has to be kind of like a reset of expectation. And I think that game development has probably changed forever. And I don't think in a bad way, um, there'll, there'll be some growing pains. There will be some kind of figuring out like what works and what doesn't. And I think that's fine, but I think overall, we are in the middle uh, or in the results of a drastic change in the way that things are done. And I don't see that going back to the way it was probably ever. And I think that's okay. And then the last story here, there are some leaked photos or some uh, shots from the fallout TV show, which I honestly had no idea was happening. Um, I think fallout's a really interesting um, franchise to get a TV show. Uh, I, I think it's interesting because they can kind of just jump onto whatever storyline they want. Um, they can just start from something that's completely original. Um, and then they have the benefit of there's so much lore and there is so much uh, stuff that they can just like sprinkle in, you know, um, that will make fans happy, but then they aren't like beholden to trying to stick with some Canon storyline or something. They can make references to events from the games and stuff like that, that will kind of, you know, ground the TV show. 
but they can do their own thing completely when it comes to antagonist, protagonist, story, um, and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm curious about something like this. I, I'm not going to act like I'm like waiting with bated breath for the fallout TV show. But I mean, if I can, if I have the provider it's on, I'll watch it. Uh, I feel the same way about the mass effect show and, um, all, you know, I think there's like an assassin's creed show or something. Um, all of these things, I'm not going to sit around and, and wait for any bit of news about them, but when they come up, I'll listen to the static about them. And if it sounds like people like them, I'll watch them. I'll take a fallout TV show. Why not? Okay. So we're going to jump into some listener questions. If you have any listener, listener questions or topics you want me to talk about next week, jump into the discord link is in the description of the podcast or the video. And, uh, you know, let me know open ears. This week we have Master Prime with three questions. The first one, what special edition console would you like to own? Um, I would love to have an Elite 360 again, just to put up like behind me. Um, that that system was so iconic for me in my like gaming life uh, as a kid, as a as a college kid. Um, I owned multiple of them. I worked at a GameStop, so I had this awful habit of I had a little bit of money, so I'd go buy an Xbox and a couple games and live. And then I'd be poor. And so I would sell everything. So I had some cash. And then once I had money again, I'd buy it again because we could discount them pretty heavily. And we got as an employee, we got extra money for trade ends. So I could, I could pull all those deals without going too negative on them. Um, so I think something like that, or, um, I would love, I would kill, uh, I'd be very curious to have one of these Thor series X's that they keep showing. I don't even know if it's real or not, but they've essentially designed a series X, uh, to look like, and I'm going to ruin the pronunciation of this, but Mjolnir, I believe, uh, Thor's hammer. Uh, they've like added like a handle to the Xbox and then painted everything to look like it. I think it looks really dope. Um, there's been some cool systems in the past. Uh, I would probably have to look at a list to, to really give you a super good answer, but those are a couple I wouldn't mind. Um, a second question is with live service games, should players be more considerate to the developers? I would say people should be more considerate to the individual developers of all games. Um, I think live service games, especially now lives that it's an interesting topic though, because no one forces, no consumers, players don't force these companies to do live service, right? It's a choice they make because there is insane profit potential. There, there's insane money-making potential behind it. And there is, um, you know, th there it, it could be really lucrative if it hits. The problem is, and what we're starting to see is that most live service games have like a flash in the pan and very, 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 very few can sustain it. And, um, it's because these live service games, and if you include a game like the division and stuff like that, the problem is, is that these games need, you know, three or four years, like any other big AAA game needs, right? They need like three or four years to uh to be developed and to put out the initial game but the problem is is that when they do that then they like immediately start working on more content 
but they need like a year or two to even get started on that. But they only ever get like three or four months. And, and it just seems like if a live, like these live service games, the only way we're ever going to see one, I think like come out and, and we really do it the right way um, is to, you know, for the game to have like two or three years of development and then like before the game even comes out, like a year of development that just gets started on post-launch content. And then when they're almost finished with that, they release the game. And then like a few months later, they can start pumping out this content that they've already been working on for a couple of years and they can kind of like stay ahead of it. But with the stories I've heard about like the division and stuff like that, it's just not what happened, at least with that game. And it seems like with, with most of these live service games, they still go through the same issues they would go through with just like a, a regular single player game where they they crunch until the last minute, then they release the game. The difference is, is when a single player game with no DLC comes out, they crunch up until that last minute and then they release the game and then they do some bug fixing and stuff like that. And then they move to a new project that they're going to have three or four years to do. With live games, they crunch until the last minute. They get the game out probably earlier than it should come. Then they have this awful job of like having to fix the game and try to make brand new content for it in a couple months that really they should get a year or more to do. I just, I think the live service games, man, I, I think in theory and on paper for the CEOs and stuff like that, I get why they keep trying to do it. But the problem is, is that so far we haven't seen any publisher really give their developers the, the genuine time that they, that they not only want, but that they need to do it the right way. And that's why even the best examples of live service games, um, if you're talking about like, like destiny Two, still suffer and, and still have issues with this, even though they are in theory at the top of their genre. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, I think we should be more considerate of all developers. We should probably just be more considerate of all people. Uh, then the final question here, what game genre is underrated? Um, I think that's an interesting one for me. I think that like first, uh, real time strategy games are, are super underrated. Um, games like company of heroes, which is kind of like a more action, uh, real, real time strategy. Um, Age of Empires, uh, you know, hopefully we have, we maybe one day we get like a legit uh, Command and Conquer um, again. Uh, I think all of those type of games, um, they're, they're just, even games like Halo Wars, uh, stuff like that, that like, you know, delves more into the console side of things. The real-time strategy genre is just so cool. Um, when I was talking to Yannick on my interview with him recently, I was like thinking about how cool a company of heroes style the division game could be where you'd be like controlling like whole squads uh and and, and like simultaneously having them do actions where uh oh it would just be so cool but um yeah so real-time strategy uh for me uh and so thank you for those questions master prime again if you have any questions or topics or whatever um join the discord you know i always post up a thing in there uh, asking people to ask their questions uh, I love answering things. 
Okay, uh, so jump into a couple of content updates. Um, I just recorded, and this will be out early next week, uh, early this coming week once this show is out. Um, I just did an interview with N7 The Legend. Um, they are a streamer and podcaster. Uh, they're extreme Mass Effect fans as well as other games too. Um, I've caught his streams a few times and listened to their podcast. Uh, they're a very focused lore. It's it's called the Mass Effect Lorecast. Um, and so where I'm like kind of sussing out like speculation and little details and news and stuff like that, they're focusing more on like the lore of the game and the story and stuff like that, which is is super cool. Um, and, and it's really exciting that, you know, all these years later, they're still um, they have stuff to talk about. Right. So. Um, yeah, we had a really fun chat. Uh, they, we have a lot of the same kind of takes and, and hopes and stuff like that. We definitely have some pretty significantly different um, uh, hype levels and kind of um, the way we're interpreting some of the teasers and stuff we've got are very different, which is makes for a great conversation. It, it was really, really fun. That will be out next week. Um, so please be sure to check that out. That will release as an extra podcast, much like Yenix. Um, and, uh, it's like an extra podcast, an extra video in the echo cast series. Um, the next person, I believe, um, I touch base with Mark Dara, uh, who is, you know, fairly famous in the game industry for his work at Bioware. Um, I catch a lot of his videos that he's making just about game development now, and they're extremely educational. Um, I, I'm, he agreed, you know, he's to set up a time to come on and, and we can chat about stuff. So I'm really excited to have him on. Uh, I, we haven't nailed down the time yet, so it could be a few weeks, uh, but I will update accordingly. Um, just as a heads up, this is episode 194 of the Echo Cast. Uh, leading up to the 200th episode, I'm trying to do more of these interviews and stuff. Um, I do plan doing some type of giveaway uh, kind of in the lead up to the 200th episode, as well as reopening a kind of new and improved Patreon uh, where I'm going to try to do some cool stuff that people actually want. And uh, so I can feel like people are getting something for their money uh, rather than before where I kind of just threw it out there and a few very nice people uh, jumped in. So, so yeah, that's, that's what I have this week. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And don't forget to rate the podcast on Spotify and iTunes. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like this video and leave a comment down below for the algorithm. You can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and over on Twitch. Uh, you can also check out some EchoCast or Bond Diesel merch at the Streamlab store down in the description. That is all I have. So until next time.